Yes, people, I guess Echo Chamber means the world to you because it is a Thursday and we're coming in with another two-parter, people, because that's how we roll, baby. But as we do, we're going to start off with the top 10 films streaming in the UK right now. So at number 10, we've got Christopher Columbus's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, where it all started in the film world. So we had Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson and Rupert Grint along with you know people like Robbie Coltrane and um, you know all the other shenanigans and craziness that was a part of it at number nine we have got Let Him Go so this is a film from Thomas Bezuka starring Kevin Costner Diana Lane Leslie Manville and Jen Jeffrey Donovan. In at number eight, we go back a little bit in time, people, to 2014 and Gareth Edwards' revival of the Godzilla franchise. So this one starred Elizabeth Olsen, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Cranston, and Ken Wanatabi. Then, at number seven, it's the Harry Potter collection. Meh, you know. Anyway, at number six, we've got Spider-Man Far From Home from the fantastic John Watts. So we have Tom Holland, Zeandia, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jacob Bataluna. So we're now in the top five, people. And at number five, it's Lee Wainall's The Invisible Man. Which, you know, kind of snucking at the beginning of lockdown was a bit of a hit. So I hear starred Elizabeth Moss, Oliver Jackson, Adias Hodge and Storm Reed. At number four, five years later... 2019 we have Godzilla King of the Monsters this time it's a Michael Dofferty behind the camera and we've got Millie Bobby Brown Kyle Chandler Vera Farmiga and Ken Watatabi is back so at number three Todd Phillips does his thing with Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix Robert De Niro Zazie Beetz and Francis Conroy at number two people is the fantastic soul from Pete Doctor and Kemp Powers with a voice cast voice cast was fantastic come on man we had Rachel House Tina Fey, Jamie Foxx, David Diggs, you know, Ron Funch, 
and a whole heap more. Right, which means the number one film this week, a Paddy Jensen Jenkins stand-up. It's Wonder Woman 1984. Gail Gadot, Christian Wig, Chris Pine, and Pedro Pascal. Alright people, we got a fun one. As I say, it's a two-parter. This one, we got three films. But before we get into those people, let's listen to a little bit of this. Okay, let's go. Okay, Shudder fans. May is looking like it is going to be another great month from the premiere horror streaming platform some of the highlight films coming well it all starts on the 7th of may with fried barry so this is a first directorial film from ryan kruger who's um you know an award-winning music video director and it's starring gary green Okay, so uh, basically, it follows the story of a drug-addled degenerate who, after yet another bender, gets abducted by aliens. Barry takes a backseat as his alien visitor assumes control of his body and takes it for a joyride through Cape Town. What follows is an onslaught of drugs, sex and violence as Barry's alien tourist enters the weird and wonderful world of humankind. Dum, dum, dum. Alright, so we also have the following week on the 13th of May, The Reckoning. Okay, so um, this is from Neil Marshall. Now, everyone knows Neil Marshall. He's produced some... Yeah, outstanding films, and also directed a lot of Game of Thrones episodes, right? So um, it's written by Marshall as well, and starring Charlotte Kirk, Edward Evers Swindle. So the film um, is this, right? After losing her husband during the Great Plague, Grace Haverstock is unjustly accused of being a witch and placed in the custody of England's most ruthless witch hunter, Judge Moorcroft. Forced to endure physical and emotional torture while steadfastly maintaining her innocence, Grace must face her own inner demons as the devil himself starts to work his way into her mind. Then, on the 20th of May, we've got P.G. Psycho Gorman. Okay, so um, this film is about young siblings Mimi and Luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord who was entombed on Earth millions of years ago after a failed attempt to destroy the universe. They nicknamed the evil creature Psycho Gorman. 
PG for short, and used the magical amulet they discovered to force him to obey their childish whims. It isn't long before PG's reappearance draws the attentions of intergalactic friends and foes from across the cosmos, and a rogues gallery of alien combatants converges in small town suburbia to battle for the fate of the galaxy. This is written and directed by Stephen Kostansky. Um, and it stars Anita Jose Hanna, Owen Amiri, Adam Brooks, Alexis Hansi, and Matthew Ninaber. Um, the last film debuting. Um, Shudder original, that is, is Skull the Mask. Alright, so um, this is written and directed by Armando Fonseca and Capel Furman. Alright, and um, it's starring Rurik Jr., who's um, a Brazilian champion wrestler. Wilton Andrade, Natalia Rodriguez, Ivo Muller, Ricardo Gelli, Guta Ruiz, Gilda Nanotz, and Tristan Aronovic. And, um, yeah, in the splatterfield supernatural slasher, a pre Columbian artifact contains the spirit of Anhanaga. The executioner of the god Takawantaspa. Whoever wears the mask is possessed by Anahaga and compelled to commit sacrifices to resurrect his god. It's up to a museum assistant and a policewoman to stop the slaughter before the ritual is completed. It's some classic 80s slasher throwback action for you people and um yeah every friday of may you will be getting new episodes of the last drive-in with bob joe bob briggs so there is that as well people i mean hey if um you know that doesn't tell you i don't know what will you know, there's also going to be, you know, some new additions to the Shudder Classic Movie Library. So, the 1973 Wicker Man, the 1959 House on Haunted Hill, the 99 version of House of Haunted Film, the 1960s 13 Ghosts. You know, that's just to name a few. So, people, if you do not have Shudder, how do you call yourself a horror fan? Okay, people, so now we've got that out of the way, let's get into this week's films. Okay, so late last week, Love and Monsters came to Netflix, which um, I was intrigued by. Right, I I I'd seen the um the posters, the clips. And I was thinking, all right, this could be this could be fun. 
right, let's, yeah, let's give it a look. And it's directed by Ma- Michael Matthews, who, his first film was Five Fingers of uh, Marcellis. And it was this South African Western and it was playing at the London Film Festival, and I really wanted to see it, but it was motherfucking subtitled, so I couldn't. But it looked crazy. It looked interesting. So I thought, that's very promising. You know what I mean? That seemed very promising to me. So it's, um, yeah, it's a story by Brian Duffield, and the screenplay was Duffield and Matthew Robinson. Produced by Sean Levy and Dan Cohen. Music is by Marco Beltrami and Marcus Trump. Cinematography, Lachlan Milne. It's edited by Debbie Berman and Nancy Richardson. Show cast-wise, right, we've got Dylan O'Brien who plays Joel Dawson, and he's the main character, essentially, right, Jessica Henwick, you know, who we know from kicking ass in, uh, yeah, Daredevil and Luke Cage, you know, so, and Defenders, you know, she turned up in there, right, so she plays Amy, Joel's girlfriend, you've then got a host of other, um, you know, people like um, uh, the guys in Joel's kind of uh, commune, right? So there's um, Tim, right? Uh, Taiko Tahaka, Ava, there's Amali Golden, um, Karen, that's Cinny Pretty, uh, Ray, played by. Hakaro Mezabem. Um, yeah, they're they're basically it. We've also got um, Michael Roker. He plays Clyde Dutton, and um, Arena Greenblatt plays Minnow, and there's some survival experts. Then there's um, Dan Ewing, who plays Cap, right? Ellen Holman plays Dana, and um, Trey Howe plays Rocco. They're both associates of Cap, right? So, yeah, they're the main, they're the main people, right? And... Um, the plot of the story. What is it all about? You wonder. Well, that's a simple one, people. Seven years after the monster apocalypse, Joel, along with the rest of humanity, has been living underground ever since giant creatures took control of the land. After reconnecting over radio with his high school girlfriend, Amy, who is now 80 miles away at a coastal colony, Joel begins to fall for her again. As Joel realises that there's nothing left for him underground, 
he decides against all logic to venture out to Amy, despite all the dangerous monsters that stand in his way. The fun-filled and action-packed adventure gets underway. Right, so that's the gist, okay? Um, now, <sighs> what to say, what to say, right? I, you know, I think you can definitely see how this film will speak to a lot of people, you know? It, it reminded me a little bit of that, um... Gosh, that Netflix series, oh man, it dropped last year, and it was, um, man, it, 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 uh, I think it was like seven episodes, and, you know, there was an apocalypse, god damn, I forget what it was called, but it reminds me very much of that, right, so if you enjoyed that series, yeah, this will, this will speak to you. But it opens up and, um, you know, we have Joel kind of narrating to us what happened. You know, what happened. And we get to view it via um, some, like, cartoon script kind of strip kind of drawings. And then you get some visuals, you know, TV news report kind of visuals as well. Now, the initial kind of thing, right, the asteroid and all of that, doesn't necessarily make a whole heap of sense. But you're like, eh, you know what, I'm fine. We can get past that, right? Who cares? An asteroid came. Right, so there is that. Then we um you know we we get into the whole colonies. Alright, so Joel laments his poor life underground and all of this. You know, and how everyone else is on the hunting parties and hooked up, but he's not. Ho ho. Alright, and um I mean they do the they do the thing. You know, he's just like, oh, and everyone else is hooked up, but, you know, it makes sense because they're all very attractive. And you'd be like, okay, because you look like a roadkill, right? I mean, ugh. Like, like they always do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They try and put an attractive person in a role, but then try and make out that, you know, they're ugly or something. And you'd just be like, ugh, okay. Okay, but, you know, they're hiding from the monsters overground, and all of a sudden there's a breach, right? This all happens at the very, very start, so it's not really spoiling anything. But you have, like, the thing that makes no sense to me is the fact that Joel's like, I want to fight the monster, I want to, let me, guys, guys, let me fight the monster, let me fight the monster. And then... You know, during the course of all of this kind of craziness, it's revealed that, oh, Joel freezes in the face of danger. Freezes in the face of danger. And I'm a bit like, come on, man. Like, everyone knows their strengths. And, look, I think 
if you are a, you're not the best shot, fine, you might be like, ah, I'm coming, right, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna, yeah, let me do this shit, but when you freeze, yeah, you're not gonna do that shit, right, when you are shit scared, you're not gonna do it, it's asinine, so, yeah, there was things like that in this story, and you're just like, yeah, that makes no sense, right, that's just stupidness, it makes no sense, but after all of that, after all of that, he decides to go on this road trip, which, again, you're just like, what, you mean, he's been speaking to his girl, on the radio system, and you're just like, okay, right, we, we do get some flashbacks to them, and all of that, before all of this happened, but he, he decides to, um, after speaking to her, to go and find her, and be with the love of his life, which, you're just like, straight after an attack, to to to, to ha- make him have that thought straight after an attack where he froze again. So maybe, right, he thought he was over his fear. Maybe that. But the realisation that, oh no, I am not over my fear at all. It's hard to believe that he's going to be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go out where all the monsters are. You know, especially when they're just like, hey, you know, you've got, it's a seven day journey. Even a big hunting party's going to struggle. Right. So they, they've kind of given you that as a guideline. But old Jolie Pants, we're meant to believe that he can survive outside. You're just like, hmm. And the other thing as well. You t- you'd at least tell the chick that you're coming, right? Or you'd want like an idea. Okay, so you're you're at this spot. What's around? You know, how easy is it to get there? You have just some information. You would want that. Because otherwise, what the fuck are you doing? Like it it's a it would be a stupid thing to do without. Certain info, but he goes outside. He goes to do this thing. Now, here's the here's the thing. When he goes outside, right? You you see him walk through this thing. It's been seven years. It's been seven years. Now, what we all discovered from the being locked up inside for a year, shit grows fast, right, shit grows fast, and we also saw, you know, by mother nature, you know, watching wildlife shows and shit like that, that animals, they adapt, they change, right, they lose their inhibitions, but he comes outside, and the growth ain't too crazy, you know, I mean, the grass is still pretty low, just all of this kind of things, you'll be like, 
yo, what are we doing here? And the big thing, the big thing, he doesn't go out on the hunting parties. So you would think there would be a level of muscle attribution. No, atrophy. Atrophy? Muscle atrophy, right? You know, he wouldn't he'd be out of breath walking just a short distance. There'd be that. Also, where's this motherfucker getting his vitamin D from and all of those things? Right? So there's just these simple little things that were just a bit like, hmm. Say what? What's happening? Here, but you know he he he's out about. He manages to survive, even though you know he comes across these monsters, right? Because someone knowing there are all of these monsters around, he is not cautious, right? We just see him bumbling away. You know, there's a monster in a fridge. He then sees one in water and just stands there. Stands there. Right? It's just this stupidness. Right? And the fact that we had just seen him freeze. The fact we just saw him freeze... He should not have survived that first encounter. You know, it's just stupid. The the fact that, oh, so suddenly your freeze notion, it's, you mean, developed to the point that you can, you know, avoid this monster. You can run. Yes, you're being helped by a dog, but it's just like, yeah, it makes no fucking sense, man. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? What are we doing? The whole dog thing, it is very kind of I am legend. You know, they're definitely trying to do it, and calling the dog dog is is just like ah, uh, come on, man, come on. So it, it there's a lot of weird stupidness, you know, just. Within kind of that aspect of things, you know what I mean. So we we have all of that. Now with the flashbacks, I have to say, I you don't. I didn't believe anyway that these motherfuckers were in love, right? Because especially when he tells her, "Hey man, I love you." Though the, her reaction to it. Hmm, yeah, suspect, suspect, right, so we have all of that, but we, we then have this, just the, the common thing of, you, you go on these, you know, you're outside, you're doing all of this stuff, but you never get really dirty, dirty, which is just always one of those things that you're just like, huh? Actually, it makes no sense, right? Makes no sense. Now, when he he meets up with these uh, travel experts, right? He meets, they save him. And um, now the film really feels 
like it's going zombie land, right? Really feels like it's going zombie land. Which is fine, but you're just a bit like, okay, alright, you're you're pulling all, all of these different things, but we're kind of having these conceits that make no sense, like, we see him doing target practice in the colony, but then... You're all of a sudden, like, these two, they take him under his wing and they're showing him all of this stuff. All of this stuff that would be common sense, right? It'd be common sense shit and things that you would be thinking, all right, I need if I'm going on this fucking trip. You know what I mean? So you're just like, ah, what is, what's happening? Right, there's just all of this stuff that really, you know, is a bit weird, right? It's a bit weird, and so, yes, look, the story is fine. It's going to speak to your Maze Runner type of fans. You know, if you like the Maze Runner, and if you like that that other one, is it Mortal Elements, Instruments, Mortal Something Somethings? Right? Or was that just a subtitle of Mesa? I don't know. But you've got those other things. And, and, and Hunger Games, right? So you've got all of those. I think those fans, they'll like this. It kind of speaks, you know, to to people um, who can kind of separate themselves from reality for that kind of thing. Because, yeah, there, there's, it, it's just the shit that... Makes no sense really Now You have This whole thing Like there's there's this thing where he goes into a river And he's cut He gets hit by leeches Because like You know that's going to happen right That's a thing But here's the, the thing that's Uber crazy Is the fact That only the leeches seem to be on the upper part of his body. And you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. You, so the leeches aren't on your legs? Or other areas? Because they go to the areas where there's a lot of blood. So they'd be on your groin. Now, he's like, listen, I'm not, I don't want to see him taking leeches off his groin. But I'm saying, right? You know what I mean? It's leeches. They're going to be everywhere, people. They're going to be everywhere. Right, so it's just stuff like that. We see him, you know, arguments with the dog, obviously. The whole Mavis situation. There's these played out kind of things, which, you know, is a bit like, oh, you are stuffing this film with all of the references and things from other films that you can think of. Like, even the end, the conflict at the end, it is very, it feels very contrived, you know? And then we're meant to believe the thing, we're meant to believe, it's all a little bit like, ah, come on, come on, man. But special effects-wise, the monsters in this film look great, right? You might not believe the love, but... God damn, you believe the monsters. Those effects are sensational. You know what I mean? I really like that. 
aspect of it. And I think some of the stuff like inside the colonies themselves, that looked kind of bunkerish. You mean you you kind of believed that aspect of things. But yeah, I don't know. The I think the, the, the story, the love, the survival, that I don't know. That not so much. But yeah, the the monsters, that was great. That that I was down for. The the artwork as well. I want to know what artist did all the sketches. Because that was great. Now I don't believe Joel could have done that shit. Especially have him do it mad quick, like bum, 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 bum. oh sketch done. If you're like, no, you ain't doing it that fast. What the fuck are we doing here? You know, but yeah, everything else, like the the visuals of the film, visuals of the film, that's where this stands out the most. You know what I mean? That's really where this film stands out the most. Do I believe in um, Orion as a lead? No, not really. No, no. But yeah, the the yeah. But it is what it is, people. It's on Netflix, so you can go see it whenever you feel. Um, and yeah, the, I thought the dog was very good. <laughs> the dog played its part extremely well. You know, but uh, yeah, you know, I I didn't really think Henwick had a lot to do. You know, there wasn't much to her character. This was basically Joel. They try and flesh him out the most, and everyone else is a bit kind of two-dimensional. You know what I mean? But it is what it is. I think it will definitely speak to a lot of people, but not really my bag. But there it is, people. Love of Monsters. It's on Netflix. Go enjoy So Stowaway is the new science fiction film from Joe Penner, right? He um, he wrote it with Ryan Morrison, um, and this is Penner's second feature film, okay? Small cast, right? Real small cast. We just have Anna Kendrick as Zoe Levinson. She's a medical researcher. Tony Collette. She's Marina Barnett. And she's the ship's commander. We have Daniel Day Kim. As David Kim. The ship's biologist. And we have Shamar Anderson. As Michael Adams. Who, um... Yeah. He's the stowaway people. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Now, um, it's produced by Ulrich Schwartz, Nick Spicer, and Aram Turtzakan. Um, music is by Hazuka. Cinematography is Clemens Becker. It's edited by Ryan Morrison. And the gist of the film is this. The crew of a spaceship, one in a Mars circular orbit, 
headed to Mars, discovers an accidental stowaway shortly after takeoff. Too far from Earth to turn back, and with resources quickly dwindling, the ship's medical researcher emerges as the only dissenting voice against the group consensus that has already decided in favour of a grim outcome. I mean, that is a bit... I don't know if that's fully correct, right? I don't know. But, hey, when are these things ever fully correct? You feel me? So, we, we start off with the launch, right? We have the big launch of um the ship. And, uh, yeah, I think we get an insight into, um, you know, our crew. I mean, we see that David, I, he has a little issues with space sickness, which... At first, when you're watching it, you do think like, "Wait, how are the fuck are these people on a spaceship?" But then you then you find out that you know they they came onto this mission, right? I mean, even so, though, it does make you wonder, right? But so we we had them, you know, then get up, and then it's just the the usual kind of unpacking, get every everything in order. And uh, Marina, she's doing some bits and bobs and she notices something on the ground. She investigates and they find a stowaway. Yes. Which, I mean, you're like, say what? What, what What's happening here? You know? But, uh, yeah, he's unconscious, injured. So they take him to sick bay, patch him up, and then it's kind of working out what is happening, right? What are we meant to do here? So everything, you know, they've kind of established a pattern, you know, they're working things out, but it then becomes clear, right? So, um... There is a problem with their CO2 uh, system-y thing, right? The thing that kind of cleans the air. I forget what it's called. But that breaks somehow. And uh, they're forced to kind of consider what the fuck do we do, right? Because it was a, you know, essentially the ship, it's a two-man ship that they then were able to work out a way to turn into a free man ship, but ain't going to work with four. You know, so, yeah, the the, the thing is, someone got to go, right? And the only person that you kind of have to let go is the person that's not trained up for the mission. And that is... That's essentially where the big kind of questions and conflicts and whatnot come into this. Which isn't a surprise, right? I would say that as soon as the O2 thing, you know, as soon as that becomes an issue, then you kind of realise where this film is going. You know, because up until that point, you do wonder, be like, okay, so... Is this gonna be, you know, an event horizon sort of thing? Like, where are they taking this story? You know, 
Is it going to be someone who's like, um, you know, I'm against terraforming Mars. And he, he's secretly there to kind of sabotage, like, what's happening. But once you realise, okay, so they've got no oxygen. Yeah, you kind of figure, okay, so, yes, we know what's happening here. We know, you know, where they're going to take all of this, which is fine, which is fine, because, A, you you know, there's a limited number of stories, but it's how are you going to tell that story? What's this new in? How's it all going to come about? Right, so... That I think that's the big thing with this now with the film, okay. So, um, hmm, I really did like the filming of it, right? I like the way that, um, you know, the camera follows people, like when they're going through the ship, transitioning through the small tunnels and the corridors and whatnot. Like, the way the camera kind of zooms in and, you know, gives you that sense of... Because they're not big, <laughs> you know what I mean? These ships, they're, they're confined, right? So there's a claustrophobia to it all. And the way the camera kind of shows you all of this stuff, it really does kind of key into that notion. So that's, you know, that's very compelling, and it does give you this kind of sense of space, right? Which, yeah, I enjoyed that. That's very good. Now, the story. There are things with the story that I don't know, just didn't really seem to work for me, right? Now, when they're talking to people... You know, so we see them make a, a video call at the very beginning. You know, like one of those ones that they do, you know, they, when they're talking to, you know, the news and all of that and be like, hey, we're, we're doing this and yeah, we're so happy and blah, blah, blah. And then we see them talking to uh, flight control and all of that. And even, you know, we, we have people making personal calls. But we only ever get one way of the conversation, which, I don't know, it feels very weird, right? It, it, it never really feels like a real conversation is happening. And I think partly it's because you're only hearing one side, but I think it's partly because, I don't know, it's just the way the people are talking, right? It doesn't feel, it just feels like someone's like, hi. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Okay, I will. You know, it doesn't feel right. You know, which is a, it's a thing. But there are a lot of the conversations in here that do... It does feel a little flat. Like, they try and add some brevity to the whole thing at the start with this... I don't know, this situation about mugs... Right, Yale, Harvard, just this, you know, the weird university rivalries and whatnot. So they try and add some little jokey thing, which it just doesn't really, doesn't really seem to, I don't know, it didn't seem to work for me. Right, it didn't feel 
like an honest to God, jokey, fun little moment, which he was trying to be. So there's that. But then there's there's these other things, right? So these people that are, you know, highly trained to go on this mission because, you know, they've got to be. And I think we've heard f- so many conversations with astronauts at this point. I mean, if you're interested in that stuff, you have anyway. You know, because they're out there. Interviews, just shows, documentaries, all of that shit, Right. And you understand the training and the vigorous nature of that training, right? And it's like, oh, if you don't do this, you're you're not going. It's easy to get cut. So you, you think, okay, these people have to go through all of this. So there's certain things that go down that you're like, hold on. How the fuck are they, huh? Like... Fitness is a huge thing because you're, you know, the the gravity situation does fuck your bones up. So you have to be fit, have to be fit. But when they're climbing this thing to do this thing, it's just like, oh, oh I'm getting tired. And be like, wait, how the fuck are you getting tired? Like, what, what's, what's going on? Like, what's happening here? You know what I mean? You can't be tired you you want to add something to try and add the tension think of something else because that makes no sense you know to to have that it just seems like say what then i think you've got this whole thing well it's again it's a training thing right and listen when you've been climbing or anything like that you understand you always, always, you know what I mean, you, you hook yourself on, make sure your carabiner is tight, you know what I'm saying, right, so there's this bit, and it's not, and it's just like, but why wouldn't it be, and it, it made no sense to, why wouldn't it be, you know, I think aesthetically, right, it's, it's a funny thing with sci-fi, right, I think we see it all the time, because they want to convey, you know, this future, and all of this kind of stuff, and so they're saying, look, we're doing all of this, but then there's certain tech that they'll be using that is just the same as we're using right now, and you're like, wait, if at this point, you can now do all of these different things. Why would we still be using tech that is like that? And the main thing for me was just the spacesuits. These bulky ass spacesuits, which I think we've seen, right? Just when you look at the suits that were used in the 80s to the suits that are being used now, they are definitely more streamlined. Right, so you're thinking by the time this kind of future would be happening, those the suits would be a lot thinner, but these suits are bulky as a motherfucker. Right? I mean that's not a huge thing, but it's just one of them things that just I I don't know, always makes me kind of be like, yo, what's happening here? What are we doing? You know? Huh? But there's that. 
But, um, you know, there, there's this whole, I think a lot of times when you have like a medical film or a medical person in the film, you get to this point where then they pull out, oh, I'm not comfortable with this. I signed a Hippocratical Oath. Is it the Hippocratical Oath? You know, it's a, I shan't kill people, blah, blah, blah. Right? It, 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 it's that bullshit. Which, come on, man. You know that's bullshit, right? Because there's, yes, there's killing people through negligence. And then there's, you know, sometimes people have to die for people to live. It's just the thing. And especially when you're going into space, Right, I'd have thought you'd be going through all manner, all manner of scenarios, all manner of scenarios. So you'd think, okay, in these situations, what are you gonna do? In this situation, what are you gonna do? Right. So some of the the weird choices that come up, it it it's just like uh, it doesn't really make any sense. It, it, it just feels like it's there to try and add a sense of, you know, drama and everything. But it just feels, feels weird. It feels flat, you know. So we have all of this. I, I, I did wonder, how come they haven't got magnetic boots? It was just another thing that went through my I'm like, why they got magnetic boots, man? Like, what's, what's, what's happening? And then... It's one of them things, right, where you see people go to do something And it seems to take a while And then it's just like, you've got to come back And then them coming back, and it's just like, you've got this amount of time And you'd be like, hold on It seemed to have taken a whole lot longer than that to get there So I don't know if they're coming back in that amount, but they always do And you're like, huh? What? <laughs> you know and at the, the there was a choice at the end right which i'm a bit like say what what's happening here because when you think about this because it's a two-year mission right tell you at the beginning it's a two-year mission there and back so the one person you'd always want a medical person because, you know, shit could happen, right? You want your engineer and your medical medical person. Yeah, I'm just leaving that there because, you know, yeah, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> that makes no sense. Why would you do that? Right? Why the fuck are you doing that? But um, hey-ho. You know, is that thing? I, it's a, a pet peeve of mine, right? When pe the way people describe jazz in films always seems weird. Always seems because when I talk about jazz and I break it down, like I ne it it always sounds like well, the way people break it down, it sounds like they don't really like jazz. You know, because it doesn't feel honest there feels it feels very clinical in the the whole descriptive of it i it's just something i've always noticed feels weird but yeah now listen the acting is fine but it's not really 
it's not lighting anything up, right? The, the, you wouldn't say anyone stands out for their performance. I mean, again, you wouldn't say anyone stands out for a bad performance, but yeah, it's, it, I think it's just that thing. The film just meh, just feels a bit flat. You know what I mean? It just feels a bit flat, which is a shame. You know, I did think, oh, this could be fun, right? This could be fun. But yeah, I don't know, man. It just didn't really, didn't really do it for me. But, right, I kind of, one thing that did kind of jump off tonally, right? It kind of seemed a bit like the midnight sky, you know, that hit at the end of last year. So I think if you liked that, then this, this could speak to you. Also, probably something like Gravity, because I hated Gravity, but loads of people did, so I'm like, if you liked Gravity, then yes, I think this, this could be all you, you know? Because I don't necessarily think this is terrible, it just just doesn't really speak to me. But yeah, there's a lot of these space films that just, meh, I don't know, I don't really connect with, you know? Right? I I was hoping for uh, an event horizon. Moon, you know, Duncan, um, Duncan, oh God, I forget his name. But he film, oh, I love that, right? But no, it's not really that. But, uh, yeah. I don't know, people, it's on Netflix, you know, it's not The Martian, you know, but, yeah, if if you want a film about stowaways and that impossible decision, then this could be for you, okay, alright, it's there, now I will say the music does become a little trying, but, you know, it's a burden you have to bear, people. So, yes, Stowaway on Netflix right now. Well, this one was a late entry to the mix for this week, but it did it did intrigue me. It was one of those things where you see something and be like, oh, yes, and then it just completely slips your mind. Right, or you thought that you um hit people up about it, and then you realize, oh no, I did not do that. But luckily, I got a link and I checked out um, yeah, I checked out the film Laddie, the man behind the movie. Although every time I see it, I want to say Laddie. You know what I mean? You want to put it in a little Scottish brogue. You know what I mean? It just seems like Laddie. You can't really say, who's it, laddie? You know, it doesn't sound right. Laddie. Right? But, um, yes. <laughs> laddie. The man behind the movie, which is a, um, it's a, it's a, a picture about Alan Ladd Jr. Mm-hmm. Who, um, yeah, some people know, some people don't know. But I don't really think it's a surprise that, you know, people might not know who he is, right? Because when it comes to producers on a film, that's not always someone that people 
remember and they know. Like, you know, it, it's not often someone who gets heralded a lot. You know, you hear about the, the writer sometimes, the director always, and then it's the, the stars. You know, sometimes depending on who it is, you might hear about, um, you know, who's doing the music. Right there, there's there's some there's the odd people whose name you know will come up like Roger Deacon might come up when it with cinematography sometimes and you know but it's very rare. The main focus is usually you know director, writer, cast. Kind of maybe not always in that order, but you know what I mean. So yes, the the fact people don't know Laddie. Didn't surprise me. Now, I think some people do because of the connection he has with, um, you know, a galaxy far, far, far away, right? And uh, yeah, they 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 get into that and everything else. So uh, the picture is um, it's directed and produced by his daughter. Amanda Ladd Jones. Um, also producing is Richard Berman, um, Natasha Klibanksky, right? Um, Catherine Griffin, and um, Chip Maud, who also edited the piece, right? And um, yeah. It's, uh, the, the gist of it is this, okay? So, Laddie, the man behind the movies, is the story of Alan Ladd Jr., the Oscar-winning producer, and his daughter's journey to get to know her father, not just as dad, but the way his collaborators do. As a doyon, a doyon? Of modern, I don't even know what that means. Doyon. I don't know if I've seen D O Y E N. I don't know if I've seen that word before. Huh. You don't always do that, right? Come across a word that you're like, yo, what the fuck is that? Maybe I have. I probably heard it, but just never said it. Or was it or looked at it, I mean, right? Because that sometimes gets you. Because you pronounce stuff, but then when you actually see how it's spelled, you'll be like, oh, there's a that in it? Interesting. Anyway, you don't need to know this, people. You know what I mean? So, through interviews with George Lucas, Ridley Scott, Sigoni Reaver, Ben Affleck, Ron Howard, Morgan Freeman, Mel Brooks, Richard Donner, and more, Amanda endeavours to better understand her father, Alan Ladd Jr. Known to all as Laddie, he is the he is the understated studio chief and Oscar-winning producer behind such films as Star Wars, Alien, Blade Runner, Chariots of Fire, Police Academy, Braveheart, The Omen, Thelma and Louise, Young Frankenstein, Gone Baby Gone, whose intelligence, kindness and unflagging faith in the people he hired turned him into one of the most successful movie moguls in Hollywood's history. Da 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 dum So yeah. <laughs> you get to um 
understand. Now, yeah, they, they talk to a lot, a lot of people, you know, also, um, you know, uh, we get Aileen Stewart, Cheryl Bones Isaacs, um, his brother, David Ladd, we got Jay Cantor, one of his uh, business partners, producers, um, Lily Finn Zanuk, Lucy Fisher, uh, we got Michael Grassoff, Paul Malansky, Paul Mazuski. Yeah, a, a whole heap, man. Sanford, Sandy, Ledison, oh yeah, and Tim Deegan. So just all of these people, which, you know, definitely sometimes with so many people involved, right? So many people trying to get covered. It can be, sometimes things can become a bit of a clusterfuck, right? They can. So, like. You know, chefs in the kitchen and whatnot. Chefs in, is too many chefs in the kitchen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Make sure my analogies are right. Woo! <laughs> now, the piece, it opens up. It does open up, ain't gonna lie, a little wonkily, right? Now, we have Amanda kind of, you know, doing a little bit of narration, and then she sits down in front of her dad. And yeah, kind of feel like some of it could have been, I don't know, scripted a bit or, uh, you know, maybe not scripted, but at least prepped, right? Maybe have some decent questions just to get things popping. If you know that your dad doesn't necessarily open up that well, you know, so does open up a little bit shakily little bit shakily, and, um, yeah, we then, you know, from, you know, first, like, getting into who he is, like, she goes to, I, I don't know what, it, if it was, like, the, the big Star Wars convention thing, which, um, I don't know, what's that called, Star Wars Con, I don't know, there's that big one, right, um, I I don't know if it was that, but they went to a Star Wars convention and asking a bunch of the geeks, and I say that affectionately, people. You know what I mean? I, hey, you as you all know, I watch, read. I'm into all of that shit. You know what I mean? It is what it is. But like some of these, so I want these people. Some of the costumes, right? A lot of cosplayers. Some of them were great. Some of them, I'm just like, son, try harder. What are you doing? But you know, she goes, she's there, and she's like, do you know who Alan Ladd is? And you know, very them are like, oh, I don't know, or oh, I I know the name. When otherwise you don't know. They, it's just like that typical. I know the name, but I can't picture it. I can't quite re be like you don't. You just don't want to look bad, right? But, so we have all of this, but then, and I thought it was interesting, because it was, I think it's the one person who was kind of like, you know what, fuck it, like Richard Donner, you know, she's like, oh, tell me about my dad, he's like, eh, you know what, and I'm, 
that's a bit boring. Now, I want to talk about Alan Ladd. And, you know, he's Alan Ladd Jr., so there has to have been a senior, right? And um, so we then, you know, we're about six, seven minutes in. So we then suddenly, we're all up in Alan Ladd Sr., which, you know, is a bit kind of a weird transition at the time. But I will say, once you find out about the dad, you're like, yeah, of course. Of course the son was going to grow up like that. Like, come on. You know, because Amanda's all like, oh, you know, he he was at work all the time. And, you know, I didn't quite know him at the, you know, early on and blah, blah, blah. Which, I mean, that's not exactly anything new. Right? I think most of us could probably say, yeah, you know, we don't necessarily, we didn't break bread with the parents. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're not really involved. But, yeah, her, her dad, his dad, kind of she. Now, listen, he might have been a great guy. He was an actor. He was probably, you know, good at what he did. But, Kind of shitty some of the things he did So yes of course Old laddie was gonna be A bit aloof You know But so we, we tangent into that And then we come back So some of the edits In the film are a little Bit odd <laughs> Especially With her conversation with Her dad right It's suddenly you get these bits where it just Stops and then it's something else. And then they're into another conversation. Like, wait, what? And then towards the end, she's talking to Ben Affleck. He's talking about Gone Baby Gone. Which I know I've seen. I cannot remember the film for the life of me. Right? That was one thing. Because, anyway, you know what? I'm tangenting, people. I'm tangent. Let me bring it back. Bring it back. But, yeah, talk, he's talking about that. And then suddenly it's, we, we go to black. We just suddenly just stop, go to black, and we're in his office, and then she's kind of wrapping it up. And it was just like, ooh, that was a bit abrupt. Yeah, that was a bit odd. But, um, you know, I think, right, this was an interesting piece, because you do learn a lot, right? There's stuff that you know, and there's stuff that you're like, oh. I did not know that. That's interesting, right? That's really interesting. Just finding out about some of the minutiae that, like, comes into all of this. You know, like, what were the problems with Star Wars? And it was one of those things, right? One of those things that you find a lot of organisations, right? You might be the manager, but then you've got all the other people above you being like, what about doing it like this? What about doing it like that? I don't know if you want to do that. You know what I mean? So he's dealing with all of that shit, which is insane. But, it, it, you know, the way he handled it all, that's interesting to hear. Like he didn't, because you know, sometimes people come, hey, I'm putting my neck on the line for you, you better. And it's just like, uh, what are you, what? I'm just doing what I do. Stop with your bullshit, man. And he didn't do that. He just let people work. He didn't tell them the shit he was getting. And I thought, eh, that's a solid motherfucker right there. You know what I mean? 
But we, we get all of that, which is, yeah, as I said, fascinating. And then you see all the films that this dude was involved with. And you're like, God damn. <laughs> God damn. Okay. You mean? It's insane. The amount of hits, right? And it is a little disheartening, ain't gonna lie, right? And not because, oh, he was working on all of this, oh, I haven't done that. No, 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 not that. But it's the thought of, for someone to have been involved with all of those, right? But still, still getting pushback, right? Because you always believe, hey, once I get to this point, you know what I mean? Show and prove, right? I show that I'm this motherfucker, then people gonna just be like, all right. <laughs> then you just see, oh no, it's not like that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're still gonna get pushback. So it's kind of crazy just seeing all of that. But the fact that he persevered, you know, and then you're getting all these stories from just, yeah, the people he worked with. And it's another thing that I always like, right? When you see, you see certain, you know, like directors and producers, writers, and they're, you know, always working with a, a, a group. You know, there's this group that sticks with them all from film to film to film to film. And that's always, a, that you know, means you think, hey, that must be a solid motherfucker, right? Because otherwise these people ain't going to be fucking with them. So he was that dude, right? He was one of those dudes. So you get to see all of that, which is interesting. Interesting. And you you find out, you know, sometimes, it, you know, it well, it was always kind of a success, right? He always made these big films. Now, you know, and he admits some of them, eh, some of them weren't as big as we thought. Some things didn't go as to plan. But, right, there was a betrayal. And you're just like, oh, no. And, you, and also, again, right, it's interesting because you'd be like... I and it can happen to anyone, man. You know what I mean? Because he's people he'd worked with for years, helped, brought onto different projects to different organizations, and one motherfucker stabbed him in the back while he was in hospital. And you're like, yo, it's messed up, man. It's messed up. But we get this insight, which was great. This in and especially the way he started in London. <laughs> started in London. But the thing I liked about the fact that he started in London was he's just like, I'm gonna go live there for nine months. Get a lay of the land, you know, build relationships. And that when you hear people do shit like that, you know they're a solid motherfucker, right? Because it ain't about alright. It's about the money, or it's about blah blah blah. But they're doing the groundwork. They're putting down that foundation. So all of this insight was fascinating, fascinating. So I think she, you know, Amanda has done a very good job with all of that, you know. And uh, you know, I didn't listen. I yeah, some of the some of the editing was a bit weird, but for the most part, you know, what I mean, it, it's got a good flow. 
right? And it's a clear narrative and we're getting a clear, you know, interesting look at Alan Ladd Jr. I f- there is one thing, though. I do kind of wonder... What would have these people have said if she wasn't doing the interviewing? Now, not to say that they they would have slated her dad, you know, but would we have got even more interesting stories if if there was someone else maybe asking the questions? Because everyone did seem to be, you know, want to be like, yeah, your dad was great. Oh, your dad did this. Your dad did that. Oh, your dad was great. You know, so it'd be like, ah, if it was a third party, maybe. And the one thing I really wanted to know was never asked. And I was just like, ah, come on. Right? Because it was just like, oh yes, he 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 worked on all of these great films, you know, and he'd you know take a back seat and he trusted everyone and all of this, and I'd be like, that's great, right? And he'd be like, oh, and he hired women to be, you know, to direct and produce and all of this, and I'm like, that's great, but there's more to it, right? Because it's not. I imagine it isn't just. Uh, I think a woman should direct this. Where's a woman? Oh, there's a woman. You know what I mean? And you hear, oh, he he read the script, he called me up the next day and he said, oh, yeah, let's do the film. So it's not just he's giving films to everyone, right? And he's just hiring any old women. So what I wanted to know was, what is he looking for in a story? You know, because that's not the thing that we find out. You know, because there is that thing. Now, all the stories are very diverse, but what were the things for him that would ring out? Now, George Lucas kind of, he was like, when I was pitching Star Wars, I referenced a lot of, you know, old stuff like Buck Rogers and things. Be like, yo, that scene was like Buck Rogers and that scene was like this and and he broke it down like that, which was interesting, right? That makes sense. But, what are the things he was looking for? Like, what t- told him this is a good story, right? Not necessarily this will make money, but this speaks to me. So that's what I wish was asked. And then, you know, why did he think people would be a good producer? Because he's taking a chance, he's employing people, and it seemed like it paid off, right? So it's just... What was that? What was the thing he he looked for? How long did he usually have to, you know, hang with someone before he thought, you know what? Yes, I'm going to bring that person on. I'm going to do this. Because, you know, we, we, we hear from, uh, oh, gosh, I forget the, um, oh, what is the young lady's name? It's uh, Gino Topping. Right, she explains that oh, when she was given her first like big gig, do you know, to produce a film, she didn't know. She's in the toilet asking him questions. So now you'd be fair to be like, all right, you're not ready. I'm I'm putting someone else on that, but he didn't. So it was just like, what was the things he saw to give people these opportunities, right? So I wish those questions had been asked, but you know. For the whole, this is very interesting, right? And I think if you're a film lover, if you love film, doesn't matter the genre, 
because he messed in so many different genres. You know what I mean? Like Star Wars to Chariots of Fire. You know what I'm saying? Like Nine to Five, Moonstruck, or whatever that film was called. You so many different ones. So it doesn't matter what genre you like, but if you like films, storytelling. Old school Hollywood, the transition to now, you know, the difference in all the studios. I think you're going to find this fascinating. I think this will speak to you and you're going to enjoy it. So people, laddie, the man behind the movies, you will be able to buy it or rent it, you know, on the 26th of April. Yep, yep, yep. You know, it's going to be on all your favourite VOD sites. We've got a link for, um, you know, Apple TV uh, in the episode details. So, yes, if you want to check it out, people, the 26th is the time to do it. So, there you go. Laddie, the man behind the movies. Go check it out and broaden your understanding and knowledge of Hollywood films. Okay, people, so we've come to the end of another episode, but before we bounce, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of films. So, over at Lionsgate, we've got a new film, right? It's getting, um, you know, directed by Joel Buckle, who, um, you know, co-wrote the script with Dion Taylor, right? And the film is going to be starring Curtis Jackson. You might know him as 50 Cent. Right, who's um actually acting as an executive producer on it as well. So the film follows a group of professional football players who come together to steal from the team owners who are exploiting them. You know, this it says the story centers on a journeyman player who gets his last shot at his dream, but is lured into a dangerous crime ring with some of his teammates that threatens everything. Bum, bum, bum. Yes, I mean, it, it does sound a little bit like ballers with a little crime thrown in, but, you know, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see. Okay, so, um, this is interesting, right? So, um... Tennessee Williams, right? A lot of his plays are getting brought to the screen, which is great. Now, uh, one of his classics, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, hey, that's getting new life, right? So, um, Antonio Farouk, you know, he, he's done a whole heap of stuff. You know, Fast and the Furious, The Equalizer, all that jazz. So, uh, yeah, he's going to direct and produce this new version, right? He's um, 
Yeah, working with Stephen C. Bird and Aaliyah Jones Harvey, who uh, worked on the 2008 revival of the show, right when it hit Broadway with an all black cast. So, uh, yeah, that was a huge success, right? So, um, the original, right, followed um, a, a, a play. You know, a guy called Brick, who's an athlete, now he's the alcoholic. His sexually frustrated wife, Maggie, and Big Daddy, the ailing of wealthy family patriarch. So, this new version, they say, is taking a lot of those elements, but then bringing in some new storylines. So, we'll see if that works. You know what I mean? Um... I think this is interesting, right? So, uh, we're going to be getting a film about George Gershwin. Yeah. You know, Gershwin had some great music, man. It's going to be called Fascinating Rhythm. Okay? And, um, yeah. Basically, we got, uh, you know, a great, a lot of people behind it. Martin Scorsese and Erwin Winkler, you know, they're coming together for this piece, right? So they're going to be producing and, um, oh, John Carney is going to be directing and co-writing the, uh, the piece. Right now, the the Gershwin State is behind the project, so we will be hearing some of his classics within the film, which is always a big one, right? Always a big one. Now, someone who I always mix up (laughs) with Thomas Anderson, you know, the, the Resident Evil dude, Paul Thomas Anderson, who made one of my favourite films, Punch Drunk Love. He's got a new film coming, and it's hitting this year, people. It's hitting this year, although it doesn't have a title. (laughs) It doesn't have a title as of yet, right? So all we know, it's going to open around Thanksgiving uh, for a limited release, and then it will be opening nationwide all over the spot. On Christmas Day So it's starring Bradley Cooper Benny Safady Alana Ham And Philip Seymour Hoffman's son Cooper Hoffman Didn't know he had a son But it's said to be a coming of age story Set in 1970s San Fernando Valley So Cooper is playing a film director Hoffman is a child actor And Safady is a politician running for office That's all we know people But it's good to have Anderson back Okay so um And some other news Adam Sandler has a new film coming Called Spaceman And uh, Paul Dano He's uh, joined Along with Kanal Naya You know they're up in the cast It's getting directed by Joanne Rennick You know um, And it's adapted from Jabsalav Kafler's novel 
Spaceman of Bohemia. So um, Sandler's going to be playing, um, you know, an astronaut sent to the edge of the galaxy to collect a mysterious ancient dust. He soon finds his earthly life falling to pieces and turns to the only voice who can help him try to put it back together. A creature from the beginning of time lurking in the shadows of his ship. It's also starring Carrie Mulligan, you know, um, along with Colby Day, um, Channing Tatum, Reed, Carolyn, Peter Carmen, and Michael Parrots will be producing it. Okay, so in other news, and uh, something else coming to Netflix, right? Is um, now this is a bit of a surprise, but there's gonna be a sequel to 47 Romans. Yeah, I know, bit of a shocker, right? And um, it looks like Amy Garcia and AJ Mendez will be um, writing the script. Okay, so it's saying the story is set. 300 years in the future in an exotic cyberpunk world and will offer a reimagining of both the original 2013 film and its loose source material Shushinger. The fantasy action thriller will incorporate horror elements alongside its modern samurai and ninja elements and is being directed by Ron Yarn who, um, yeah, did Mulan. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so, um, also, another film coming to Netflix is a, um, a, a version of Jane Austen's classic Persuasion, but this will have a modern slant to it. And it is starring Dakota Johnson. Right, so, um, yeah, they're saying it's a modern, witty approach to a beloved story while still remaining true to the novel. Hmm. So we've got Anne Elliot, a young woman unconforming with modern sensibilities and living with her snobby family on the brink of bankruptcy. When Frederick Wentworth, the dashing one she once sent away, crashes back into her life, she must choose between putting the past behind her or listening to her heart when it comes to second chances. <laughs> so Ron Bass and Alice Victoria Winslow are writing the script with um, Carrie Cracknell. Um, making her feature film directorial debut. And um, another little bit of Netflix news, it looks like they are going to be making a film about Kiss. Not the action, but the rock band. Yes. Um, So, uh, yeah. It's uh, a biopic called Shout It Out Loud from Joachim Ronin, right? Who, uh, you know, he directed Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Tell No Tales. 
right? Um, Ollie Sanders wrote a script, you know, so uh, yeah, I know. I know, I think it's got um, the, the, the blessing of some of the original Kissed peoples. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that. So um, now, a little bit of Disney news. So, um, you know, we'd, we'd heard them making a film version set around a ride, The Haunted Mansion. Well, Justin Simeon has, uh, you know, just signed on as a director of the piece. Okay, so, um, yeah, I know. It's an interesting one. So Dan Lin, Jonathan Ulrich and Nick Reynolds are producing it. Katie Diplod, um, you know, she's written the most recent script. Um, Yeah, so we'll see what happens, right? You know, they say on the ride, theme park guests go inside a spooky and creepy manor house. That includes some classic characters like the spirit of psychic medium Madame Letter to the skeletal bride to the cloaked hatbox ghost. Hmm, never been on a ride, so I have no clue. Right now, this I find very interesting, right? So, um, we're getting a biopic of Jim Henson called Muppet Man. It's, um, yeah, getting written by Michael Mitnick, you know. Um, it's a live-action feature which um, will chart the life and times of the legendary puppeteer and creator of the Muppets, Fraggle Rock, and um, many of the Sesame Street characters. He was also the director of cult films such as Labyrinth and The Dark Crystal. So the film is going to focus on Hen- Henson's battles to convince broadcasters on giving the puppets a go and how he worked to get the characters on air where they became a cultural staple. So Lisa Henson, his daughter, she's going to produce with Aaron and Jordan Candle, um, you know, I think they're around because they wrote one of the um, previous scripts of the film. So, um, now this is interesting. So, Into the Spider-Verse is getting a sequel. And um, it's just been announced that Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers and Justin K. Thompson are going to be directing it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, hey, what Powers did with Soul, you know what I mean? It seems like, hey, he'd be a great fit, you know what I mean? So, uh, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Amy Pascal, A.V. Arid, and Christina Steinberg will be producing the film, right? Um, Adja Sood is um, going to be... Uh, Executive producing along with Peter Ramsey. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You know, the first was so great. 
And listen, I, I figured this news was coming, but um, you know, Sony, you know, they made a big deal with Netflix recently, and they've made another big deal with Disney, right? So uh, what it means is, um, their uh, Play Two windows will be going to Disney's, you know, platforms, right? So um. Upcoming theoretical slate from 2022 to 2026, and much of the Sony library, you know, is going to um, Disney and the TV platforms. So that's Disney Plus, Hulu, ABC, Disney Channels, Freeform, FX, and National Geographic. Titles under the deal include films from Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel characters, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, um, Morbius, and the sequel. Also, you'll be getting stuff like Uncharted, Hotel Transylvania, and the Jumanji franchise. So yeah, I mean, you knew this was going to come. And supposedly also, um, there is the possibility of the Spider-Man films also being on Disney+. Plus, Which is, yeah, makes sense and is huge. Okay, so um, let's end with this one, people. Um, yeah, let's end with this one. So, Apple have commissioned a couple of new films, right? Called number one on the call sheet, right? They're two, they're two um, documentaries that you know are companion pieces to each other and look at black achievement in Hollywood. So the first is about groundbreaking work of black, you know, female actors, and is going to be directed by Shola Lynch. The second one. Um, will highlight the stories and experiences of black male actors of the past who paved the way for today's stars and it's directed by the great Reginald Hudlin who I might see if we can interview we'll see what happens with that but uh, yeah executive producing is Jamie Foxx, Kevin Hart DeTory Turner Dan Coogan um, along with Angela Bassett, Halle Berry, Hoodlin, and Brian Smiley, who will be executive producing. All right, so people, that is us. Hope you've enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you next Thursday. Enjoy your film watching, and remember, Laddie is out Monday the 26th. All right, people, puppets.